This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning we're going to be talking about COVID-19. That's right, COVID-19. And uh, how it is impacting our community. Dr. Dan Rudd is with us this morning. Dr. Rudd, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. It's great to be back with you. Good to have you with us today. And uh, this has been a longer experience than we anticipated. Uh, you were gracious enough to join us many months ago uh, at the first of the year and we began a series of conversations and we have had them ever since but I kept thinking we would end those in the spring but here we are in the fall and still going strong well it's it's still going but there is a light at the end of the tunnel okay. and I think that you know one of the things that we we can do is uh, look toward that light because we we are going to see this dissipate over the next several months probably uh by next summer is my guess but you know we're we're doing really well in the fight and we've learned a lot uh the virus uh has is very contagious you know i think one of the things that is important to recognize is and i'm sure most people know this by now is the the virus itself is called SARS-CoV-2 and the disease is called COVID-19 and we've learned so much because of all the money that uh, the government has spent on the everything from development of uh, treatments to uh, vaccines to research and into the virus. Um, one of the things that I'd like to do is, is really put things in perspective with some of the current numbers that we have. In Tennessee, we're doing very well. Our... Um, total number of deaths, which is really what we, we look at as outcomes, is right now at about 88 in Rutherford County, which is um, about where we would expect for respiratory deaths anyway, but it, it is a little higher, but but not nearly as high as in some places around, the, not only the country, but around the world. Um, right now, worldwide, uh, there's about two and a half million new infections a day but the infection fatality rate the number of people that die per infection has is really going down and we're really not sure why that is but the inf infection fatality right now is down to about uh, 0.32 percent which is, is the number is about 5,000 people a day which sounds like it is a lot of people but it is uh, it, somehow it's changing whether it's due to all the things we're doing to mitigate against uh infection or not it's hard to tell it does look like the size or the amount of virus that you get called the inoculum is is really very important in determining how sick you get and so there's a difference between getting the infection 
and getting the disease. You can get infected and not catch the disease because basically you're asymptomatic. So some people could get infected, but they don't get uh, this disease at all. Right. That's true. And Do they pass it on? Well, it, they can. And so I think that um, they can uh, develop an immune response that creates uh, antibodies that protect them for a relatively short time. But one of the things we've learned is the immune response to the virus is, uh, is complicated. It's more than just antibodies. It's uh, what are called memory cells and T cells that are uh, part of our, our tissues that respond uh, to a repeat infection or to other um, virus infections. And one of the things we're realizing is that there is some immunity to this virus that probably comes from other coronaviruses that we've been exposed to over time. So there's a natural immunity, even though this is what they call a novel virus, a new virus. There's some natural immunity to this virus that uh, is in the population. And so we're seeing uh, that, and as we learn how to study immunity, we're learning more about that. Do you feel that as we in the future get our annual flu shots, Will the flu shots uh, include something about this virus? It probably won't include anything about this virus, but that brings up a very important point, Bart, because uh, flu shots are very important, and they're out and available now. And one thing that we know is that if you happen to get influenza and COVID-19 at the same time, your possibility, your risk of death is double, mm-hmm. almost double. And so you definitely need to get your flu shots. That's, that's one of the things that I think that is a takeaway point that we need to emphasize today. Uh, I think another thing that we've, you know, going through the things that we can do, what, what can we as individuals do? I think that one of the things that's important is wearing face masks. Face masks are definitely help to decrease the spread of the disease. We know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that the disease is transmitted from person to person by droplets and aerosol um, in the air. The closer you are and for the longer time period you are close to people who are infected, the more likely you will become infected. I and guess it was yesterday uh, or day before on the news they were talking about countries that were doing better than we are. And the one that was foremost, uh, I think, of ahead of everything was Sweden, I believe. And they said that in Sweden they were only doing two things. They weren't slowing business down. They weren't curtailing uh, concerts or whatever. Uh, but everybody was definitely social distancing, and they were definitely wearing masks. Right. And one of the things that has, is really interesting is that wearing a mask actually is almost as effective statistically as getting the vaccine. Really? But the thing is, you have to wear it all the time. When you have the vaccine, you it's in your home. system. All, well, no, not, not really at home, but when you're out. Okay. You know, um, when you wear the the mask you're you're protected when you don't you're not 
Um, it also is related to how many people in the community have had the infection. You know, one of the things that they talk about now and, and people may hear about is what's called herd immunity, which is really community immunity. And as more people become infected, then it seems to decrease the spread of the virus because it builds a firewall around you of people who have immunity to it. And that herd or community immunity is right now is probably only, you know, seven or eight percent in Tennessee. But in South America, for instance, it's closer to 40 percent. And in um, Europe, it's it varies between countries over there based on their, you know, their own culture. But it's in the 15 to 20 percent range in London right now. I believe it's about 15 percent. And it's estimated that in order to stop the infection from spreading, the community or herd immunity has to approach 70, 75%, which we're not there yet, and hopefully we won't ever get there because one of the things that's really a huge advance is the availability of the vaccine. And there are many vaccine candidates that are going to be possible uh, vaccines that we'll get. Um, we'll see which one emerges as the best and, and the soonest. But uh, vaccination is definitely going to be the way really out of this quicker. When do you think we're going to get a useful vaccine? Do you have any well, thoughts? From on everything that, that I, I read, it's, it's probably going to be this year. Uh, November, uh, there may be some vaccine availability in late October. Um, but as we go from November on, we'll have more and more vaccine availability. And uh, depending on the vaccine candidate, some vaccines are one shot, one dose, and that's it. Some are two doses, a mo- one and then another one a month later. Um, so we'll probably see two or three competing vaccines on the market about the same time. And the the real discussion is how to uh, disperse the vaccine, who needs it the most. And I think that, you know, it will it will need to be given to the most vulnerable people first. And um, that'll be decided um, by the powers that be. Um, Somebody had said that uh, the emergency responders, the people in hospitals, physicians uh, and elderly would be in that first wave, and it would take a while uh, to, to vaccinate all of them. That's true, and I think that also looking at people with immune problems, people who have cancers, people who um, are in the high-risk group, uh, you know, people with high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, uh, people with, uh, you know, impaired immune systems. What would you say to somebody who says, I believe the vaccination is the solution, but I don't want to be the first to take it? Well, I I think that's the great thing about living in America. I mean, you know, you can decide not to do it. And, um, you know, right now there's an intense effort to make sure that these vaccines are safe. There is one of the vaccines that is called the Oxford vaccine that has had two adverse events uh, associated with the study of the vaccine. Uh, they're call, it's called um, 
transverse myelitis, which is an inflammation of the spinal cord that has occurred in two people with that vaccine. But that vaccine is unique because it uses an adenovirus vector. What that means is that in the vaccine, it uses a different virus that is generally very safe, and they incorporate the RNA from the SARS-CoV-2 in it. But that virus has been associated with this rare complication of the of some other inflammatory problems and so there are no known uh, cases of that kind of problem with the mrna vaccine that moderna is is doing but the moderna vaccine is a two-shot vaccination day one and day 30 um the um but there's there's probably 60 or 70 vaccine candidates in development right now. So there's there's going to be a lot of different choices out there. And so I feel very comfortable that whatever vaccines are released are going to be safe. And I personally uh, would be comfortable taking that vaccine if I had not had the disease. Of course, if you've had the disease, by the time the vaccine comes out, you don't need it. So you do get immune. Yeah, you get immune. And, you know, if, and, and I know many people, I've taken care of probably a couple of hundred people now who've had the disease. And in that group of people, uh, there's only been one person that I've taken care of that, that died. And that person had advanced cancer. And so that person was at high risk and, and did pass away. But of the other people, people have done very well. I've had one person who's been in the hospital. I've had a few who've gone to ER visits and, but been released from the emergency room. And, um, you know, and, and what we're seeing is that out of the number of people who get this disease, the, the death rate is dropping. And so the projected death rate based, based on what occurred initially back in March and April is is changing and we don't really know why. We have a text from a listener who says that uh, they are concerned with the different vaccines uh, and, and they're wondering will one or two vaccines be used worldwide are we looking strictly at United States vaccines and they will have a different vaccine in Europe and uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think there'll be several different vaccines that are available, and I think that there will be new vaccines that come along, but there will be some that come along a little late to be used. I think that probably within a year to a year and a half, uh, nobody will be vaccinated for this anymore. Uh, the real uh, push is going to be over the next six to nine months. One of the things we saw initially, and I think we discussed here, was that because this is a coronavirus, which is a family of vir- in a family of viruses that we're comfortable with and have seen, we know there's a seasonality to that. It, it goes up in the winter, down in the summer, and it did that this year. You know, there's a lot of reasons that may have contributed to it, but the fact is that the counts did go down, very far down. And now the concerning thing is we're seeing they're starting to go up. 
which is to be expected because as people go inside, there's less ventilation, there's more crowding, aerosol contagion is, is going to be more prevalent. So we're going to see as the fall and winter come that the virus will increase and we'll see more of it out there. Um, you know, I think that that's why it's important to take care of yourself to to try to do the basic things. And that's what I want to underline again for people is there's, there's no point in being afraid. This virus can be dealt with. I've seen people of all ages get over it. Uh, there will be people who die from it. But m- the vast majority of those people will be people who are very ill. Um, what I would encourage people to do is wear their face mask when they're out and about. Wash their hands. Maintain physical distancing. Three feet to six feet is, is a good distance to decrease aerosol transmission of the virus. Try to stay out of big crowds. You know, uh, graduation parties, uh, big funeral services, weddings, uh, sporting events, those are places that, that definitely spread the virus. And I think that this was clearly shown with the recent uh, Sturgis motor- motorcycle rally, you know, that happened in the Dakotas um, in August, I think. There were 400,000 new cases of COVID from that one gathering. They probably were not wearing masks either. They didn't. And so, and they estimated the health care cost of that rally was $12.2 billion. They could have given everybody $26,000 to stay home and made money. You know, there's no doubt that that increases the spread. Um, and there will be some people who die. I mean, that, that will happen. We, right now we're seeing less people die, but there will still be people who die. I think that the other thing is that's really interesting that's been shown to be helpful for your immune system is to try to get a good night's sleep. Sleep helps your immune system. And to get in bed, get some sleep, um, and do what you can to... You know, and I know this is a tough word, is decreased stress. I don't know, I don't even know what that really means, but it's like doing the things you can do to take a load off um, and get your flu shot. That's an, another thing that, you know, we've mentioned it. I want to mention it again because I, I know everybody doesn't have faith in that flu shots help, but but I do. I believe that flu shots are important and especially for those that are compromised. We hear a lot of conversation about it's too early to get your flu shots. Wait until a little bit later so that it'll continue to be really good and strong come this uh, spring and late winter. Uh, What are your thoughts this year? Is this a different year? Do we need to get it early this year? I think get it as soon as it's available. It's um, available now. I know. And, and you know, I've had mine already. I have also. You know, and so I think that to get it when you can get it is the right time. Um, I think we're going to see less flu this year than we normally do because of all the things we're doing to protect against COVID. Because those things will protect against influenza also. Wearing masks avoiding crowds, washing your hands, physical distancing. 
those are all things that will help decrease influenza. So is this why the people in China, I mean, they've been wearing masks uh, for, for generations. Well, I think part of it is that. Part of it is the air pollution there. You know, it's interesting on the West Coast with the forest fires. They're showing the air pollution is increasing the severity of the pe- the disease of people when they get COVID-19. So the compounding of the air pollution and the virus make for a sicker person. So the mask is, is one of the crucial ingredients. It is. Okay, we will continue our conversation. Dr. Dan Rudd is our guest this morning, and he's here to help us through this uh, COVID-19 situation. And hopefully we're in the uh, tail end of that. We'll find out. Stay with us. Much more to come. By the way, if you want to join us, the phone number to talk or text, and a lot of you have already taken advantage of the texting, 615-893-1450. You need to use your cell phone to text to us, though. Same phone number, 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Now, more than ever, start your mornings with WGNS. Swap and shop with Bart Walker. Weekday mornings, 7.50 to 8.10 on WGNS. AM, FM, online. This is Peter Demas, and I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas's Restaurants. One of the things that we have always done is we have been very careful with the way that we sanitize our tables. We have mandatory hand-washing stations. Our employees are required to wear masks. We are just overall just being very careful with everything that we are doing and the way we handle food, the way we handle plates to ensure everybody's safety as they return and start enjoying the dining room experience again. Demas's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City right here in Murfreesboro. Whether you're looking for a new pet to add to the family or accessories to keep your current pet happy and enriched, Animal City is the place for you. We are excited to announce that our fall fragrance pet odor exterminating candles are here. If you have not experienced these, you should stop in and check them out. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street right here in Murfreesboro. Thank you for allowing us to serve you for 30 years. Hey guys, I'm Marcellus from Bubba Gandy Seafood, the freshest seafood in town with a new delivery every single week. The Gandy name started in the seafood industry over 60 years ago in Panama City, Florida. Now in the borough. On Memorial Boulevard, across from the Sportscom. Well, good morning. Traffic still holding up here on 24 out by 840. 840's got some traffic headed over towards Franklin, Williamson County. Stop and go out here. Sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Just busy where you would expect for this time of the morning. Hey, check out the new Andre Chicken Sandwich now available at Prince's Hot Chicken. 5814 Nolensville Pike. It's so worth that drive. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Thank you, Chuck. What about that Murfreesboro weather? Brought to you by First National Bank of Murfreesboro. We'll see a few scattered rain showers here this afternoon. A cloudy sky, conditions and a high in the mid-60s. East winds are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 60. COVID-19 has changed our world. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. We want to help you and our staff stay healthy and safe. I'm Shelly Rigsby, manager of First National Bank of Murfreesboro. 
And I'm Amanda Gentry. And that's why we're here, encouraging the use of digital products in our drive-up windows. First National Bank of Murfreesboro at 2230 Mercury Boulevard. Now a part of the Capstar Bank family. Member FDIC. Dave Ramsey, America's most trusted money expert. The Dave Ramsey Show, live each day from 1 to 4 on WGNS Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Happy birthday to Billy Porter. Billy Porter is the winner of our goodies this morning from Simply Pure Sweets, Bakery and Cafe. Billy Porter, happy birthday to you. And our good neighbor of the day today receiving beautiful flowers from Jenny Harrison and the whole family over there at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts is Megan Harding. The person who nominated Megan said she's the sweetest person you'll ever know. She goes out of her way to help all of her friends all of the time. Drops everything just to help everybody. Megan Harding, our good neighbor of the day. This morning, we're talking about the coronavirus, COVID-19. Dr. Dan Rudd is with us this morning. If you have a question for the doctor, our phone number is 615-893-1450. And you can talk or text your choice on that number. Dr. Rudd, we have a question here from a listener. We hear so much about the importance of wearing a facial covering. But I have friends who sometimes wear the uh, mask that looks like uh, sort of a robber would wear. I, I've seen those around. Uh, we have uh, some more friends who wear the uh, shields, the plastic shields, and then some that wear the mask that looks like you're getting ready to do surgery. Is there a difference in what each of those does? There is a difference, Bart, but I think that um, there's the key is first to drop the to have something that's going to block the larger droplets in the air and really any cloth will help now it doesn't do a lot of good if you wear it below your nose you know so the nose you you kind of have to have it over the top of your nose and you know and keeping it um there while you're out is hard to do if you're going i mean obviously when you if you go to a restaurant and you pull it down and and drink and eat uh it's down and so the the risk of exposure is greater and that's where combining the facial covering with the um social distancing is important being spread apart the waiter the wait staff should should be wearing a face mask all the time uh they should do that I'm glad you mentioned about the nose. I had not known that. I guess common sense should have said that, but I, it never rang a bell with me. And I see people frequently uh, wearing, having their mouth covered, but their nose uh, is exposed, which makes it easy to right. breathe. Uh, I think everybody thinks, well, the droplets are coming out of your mouth, but they're more out of the nose. Or well, they can go in or out of the nose. And so you're doing two things. If you, If you have unknown to you the virus and it's going to help block transmission but the more likely situation is that the mask is there to avoid droplets getting into you they can go in your nose they can go in your mouth either one but also it's been discovered they can go into the conjunctiva which is the area around the eyeball and it's been shown that even wearing reading glasses are are, um, any type of glasses 
decreases the risk of getting infected an additional 5 to 10%. So wearing glasses and wearing a mask is sort of optimal. Now, the type of mask is the the thicker it is, the better it is. Um, and also cleaning it regularly. I mean, it's been shown you can have a cloth mask and have, you know, eight or ten of them and just wash them every day and, and just rotate them. That's a good way to do it. Uh, do you wash it in the washing machine or is yeah, there a the cloth way? ones? But you know, okay. you, then there's disposable ones like the the kind that I wear usually. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, I just get a new one every day, okay. and uh, and wear that. Um, but it's it's trying to be aware and not touching your mouth and nose is also another thing that comes from wearing a mask. You you really can't touch your mouth and nose uh, when you're when you're wearing the mask. Uh, so. It It is important, and it decreases uh, transmission. It decreases um, the the risk of you dying from that disease or transmitting it to somebody who might die. Here's a listener who says that they had an early case of the disease. Uh, they said they had no uh, symptoms or anything. They were just uh, testing people in the office, and they showed up positive with the test. They said they never felt weak. They never had any flu symptoms, but they evidently did have the disease. Uh, And they live in an apartment with their wife and six-year-old child. Do you think that they all got the COVID-19 and will they all be immune to it? Well, definitely the person who tested positive will be immune. There's probably a 40 to 50 percent chance that the other household contacts caught the disease. Uh, I see examples of both in patient populations that I've been experienced with. I see people who nobody else in the family gets it, and I've seen several cases where everybody gets it. So it's it's a little unpredictable, but it's probably in the range of 40 to 50 percent chance that other household members caught it. Now, you mentioned sometimes people don't have any symptoms. Uh, is this because of their immune system, or is this the severity of their case of that disease? I wish we knew the, the total answer to that. Um, we don't know, but we do know that about 30 to 40 percent of people who get infected have no symptoms. And we do know that the larger the dose of the virus that you get infected with, the greater the chance you will have symptoms. So, you know, what you want to do is, first of all, avoid any infection. But if you get infected, you want to get infected with the lowest dose possible. And I think that's where the face masks come in. It it decreases the size of the viral dose that you can catch. You know, other things that you can do that I'm a believer in that hadn't really been uh, proven in all the studies yet are the value of neti pots. I think to uh, wash your nose out uh, in the morning and at night with a neti pot, you know, basically the virus has to attach to the epithelium. And then it has to have time to infect the cells. It doesn't just shoot in like it does on a droplet riding into your nose. It It has to attach to the surface. And then several things have to happen for the virus to get in the cell. That gives you a little time to wash the virus out. 
And so using a neti pot or a nasal lavage system is provides improved nasal hygiene. And we do know that that's the the vast majority of entry into the body is through the nasal cavity. Wow. Okay. Here's a fact, a text message from a listener who says, I'm glad you mentioned the neti pot. I didn't realize that. And uh, when this really got started, I was personally having a real problem with allergies. And so I got my neti pot out and used it every day. This was back in March and April. And they said they did that for about two months to get rid of the allergy problem. And they never had any of the other problems that uh, people in their office were having with COVID-19. That's right. And neti pots are great for allergies. Allergies, basically, it's the same kind of process. The allergen, the protein that we're exposed to that causes allergies, has to attach. And, And then it stimulates the immune system to react to it. And by washing out those allergens before they have time to affect the cells, the epithelium, you can decrease allergy symptoms significantly. And that's something we've known for many years. Uh, but I believe and have encouraged the use of neti pots and nasal lavage for uh, viral infections also. Okay, so get those neti pots out and use them. And and there's other devices, too, that are able to help with nasal lavage. A water pick with a nasal adapter. Uh, There's two or three other kinds of specialty nasal lavage kits you can get at Walmart or um, CVS, any of those places. Now, that brings up another question. Is the force of the water coming into your nose? Uh, can you create damage accidentally that way? I've, n- I've never had anybody do it. I wouldn't use a pressure washer. You know, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? I've seen some of these bottles that you yeah. squeeze. Yeah, and I would say that it's it possible, <laughs> but you know, just stay away from the pressure washers. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the uh, neti, the uh, the water pick. Yeah, mentioned. the water pick. You can adjust the pressure, and I would say if it's in a, a comfortable range. You know, it's a little messy to do it because you choke and spit and gag a little bit when you use those, and that's normal. Uh, And sometimes it's better to do it like in the shower. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once you figure out the process, I've seen kids as young as four and five years old uh, do the nasal lavage without any trouble. And that's just a good way to to be healthier. It's like brushing your teeth every day. Yeah, it's just a good thing to do to to help every day. Interesting. Learn something new right there. Uh, Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're talking about the COVID-19 virus. Uh, You had said in the very beginning that uh, since this is a member of the coronavirus family, that uh, they simply have the habit of fading away after a year or so. Uh, And and each time you're here, we ask you that because information changes. Uh, is this fading because of of the fact it's been here a year almost? Probably that's having an effect on it, but we're not anywhere near what's called herd immunity yet. And the others, the other f- members of that virus family, we are. And uh, but there is cross immunity between the different viruses, and it's hard to tell exactly what's causing the decrease in the fatality rate. But I think it's a combination of everything we're doing. The more 
actions we take to mitigate against infection, the better the outcomes are going to be. And so if we did nothing, it would be have been a lot worse than it has been because we did a lot of things. Lockdowns, you know, even though they're very unpopular, they definitely slowed down the transmission. One of the things it's 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 really clear looking at international data, which I, I like to read and look at things every day, Western Australia has stopped the virus because they basically locked down Western Australia. It's almost like it's an island. And the number of new infections is almost zero. And, you know, because there's no travel, uh, they've uh, shut down all nightlife, um, I think after 9 o'clock at night. Everybody wears a mask. Everything that they've done has just basically stopped the infection. Now, there'll be a few cases that are sporadic, but when you see examples like that and contrast it to examples like Sweden, it's hard to know what the best answer is, but you don't want anybody you love to die from this virus. And so the best way to avoid that is to not get it. The people in Sweden are getting it. The people in America are getting it. I mean, you know, right now... um, you know, we're at almost 200,000 deaths in America. Uh, most of those deaths were people who were very ill. And many of those, they estimate 60 or 70 percent, are people who would have died in 2020 no matter what. So it's hard to know exactly, uh, you know, the proportion and the risk. But I think being safer is better than being sorry. Since we have past that 200,000 death mark in the United States now. Uh, Do you feel that uh, we still, I mean, you mentioned we're seeing a drop in the deaths, but the national media is is not giving that image at all. Uh, Is this just uh, their their way of uh, sending out news? That gets into politics. And, you know, and the national media has an agenda. And sometimes, and I don't like to listen to it, so I, I just, I don't. I listen, to, I, I really read more medical information than I do listen to that because I think that they promote a lot of fear, and that's not healthy because this is nothing to be afraid of. This is something to be proactive with. There, there is no need for fear. This is a disease that we're learning a lot about. There's a lot of new things on the horizon. We're going to have a vaccine, many of them, actually very soon. We've got new treatments that are coming out. One of the exciting things that I was reading uh, just this week, a couple of things. One is there's a, a treatment where we, where a company has developed uh, specific antibodies against the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that can be administered and has a dramatic effect on cutting down severe illness in people at high risk. That that treatment is going to be available soon, too. There is another uh, group out of uh, California, the University of California at San Francisco, that have developed uh, a, a, uh, a molecule that's a small molecule that are called aeronabs, A-E-R-O-N-A-B-S, that basically are uh, blockers that you... Uh, inhale you by nasal spray 
that block the receptors on the nasal epithelium for the attachment of the virus. And so all of these new creative uh, treatments that are going to be coming down the pike are, are very optimistic as far as, as where we're going. We're going to get out of this. This is going to pass. This is going to be, uh, it's going to, though it will be a big footnote, it'll be a footnote in history. And we'll learn from it. Our technology is improving. Our ability to work together is improving. I think that individual responsibility is important in this uh, to help decrease the spread. We're hearing uh, sort of a breath of fresh air, and it's okay to breathe this in. Uh, We're hearing from Dr. Dan Rudd this morning some positive news around the coronavirus, COVID-19. Stay with us. We're going to pause and check on the traffic and weather. We will be right back. We bring people to know you, and you know them. People like Truman Jones. Weekday mornings at 9, only on WGNS. AM, FM, FM, online. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your clothing, gift, pets, any needs that you have for your lawn or garden. And also, don't forget anything you need for your farm. Please come visit us at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Where are you located? 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Do you have to be a member to shop here? You don't have to be a member with us to shop. The Co-op Farm and Home Center on Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615-930-0088. Well, good morning. Traffic still holding up here on 24 out by 840. 840's got some traffic headed over towards Franklin Williamson County, stopping along your sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Just busy where you would expect for this time of the morning. Hey, check out the new Andre Chicken Sandwich now available at Prince's Hot Chicken. 5814 Nolensville Pike. It's so worth that drive. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. Brotherhood Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10. your good neighbor station. Brotherhood County's place to talk. Welcome back. We've been getting letters uh, and, and emails from listeners complimenting Dr. Rudd's uh, times on the radio. They say it's sort of like a breath of fresh air. Now, a lot of local information. Thank you for taking time to join us, Dr. Rudd. We have a few minutes left in our broadcast. Uh, a listener has a question here. Has what we've learned so far about protecting ourselves, uh, will this help us in the future uh, with another disease like this and will what are our chances of something else coming along there will always continue to be pandemics Uh, some will be more severe some will be less Uh, this is probably the the biggest one that uh, has affected our both our economy and our health 
in my lifetime. Uh, but there will be more, and we will learn more from this than we knew. Another text here from a listener says, uh, with the immunity thought to be uh, permanent, uh, I don't think we said it was permanent, but is it permanent uh, after having COVID-19? Well, we know that in the world there have been four people out of the millions that have been infected that we have documented that have become reinfected. So it does happen. It's very rare. We know that the immune response to the coronaviruses is transient. It, 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 again, it goes back to infection versus disease severity. That, and we know that when you get an older coronavirus infection, we don't get as sick. It's, it's a seasonal cold. And we know that that's probably what's going to happen with this coronavirus. Our immune system will develop, um, it does two things. It develops antibodies, and then it develops sort of a cellular response that is more of a delayed-type response. That's what mitigates against severe illness. And so when we get an infection, if we have that delayed cellular response, it blocks a severe illness, but we might get a cold. And so I, I suspect that permanent immunity, no. But adequate immunity, yes. Okay. Uh, with the nursing homes and convalescent homes uh, changing and opening back up again, what should, uh, what should we keep in mind there? Is there any safeguard that should be watched closely? I think the uh, nursing homes are instituting really very good measures to limit access to patients, which they need to do. Of course, if you have relatives there, it's hard to be away from them because they're your parents or grandparents. But you certainly don't want to ever think about visiting them if you're sick. And I think that as we get better testing where you can be tested cheaply and frequently, to be tested before you go is the appropriate thing to do. Uh, we're not where we can do that quite yet, but it's coming. And when we have cheap, available tests, you could be tested every week. Do you think that that's going to be a way of schools and offices where you can have a, I guess, just put a strip of something in your mouth, and if it turns a certain color, I you're think, sick? I think that's coming. I, they call it lick a stick. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, and and that's that's coming. I mean, it's in the process. There's a lot of debate about uh, how to make sure that it's sensitive enough uh, because you can't do quite the same quality of test with a with that sort of device as you do with a PCR test, which is the standard lab machine. But sometimes it's adequate to simply know if you're transmitting virus. Because when you transmit virus, you have a lot of it. And it takes a lot less sensitive test to identify that. And if we could get tests that are kind of the lick-a-stick test that you could do for a dollar or two dollars a day, that would be the way to go for schools and work pro and, and even uh, for sporting events where you could basically go and do that test. And if you're positive, you don't go in. So a good way, this, this could be our way of life in the future. Until this passes. 
this virus will pass. Uh, but until then, which is going to be at least through this winter and probably dissipate next summer and, and by next fall, probably will be gone. So these are things that we uh, need to be thinking about in the final 30 or 40 seconds. We're almost out of time, but sort of go over again what people need to be doing now. I think that let's go, flu shots. That's the first thing. I, I really encourage everybody to get their flu shot because the, having both diseases at the same time is a double whammy and, and it's bad. Wear your face mask. Wash your hands. Do the physical distancing. Uh, avoid crowds. Use your neti pots. Um, and uh, try to get sleep. So if in summary, those are the things that I would do. Getting sleep. We've never talked about that Sleep before. is important for our immune system. And I think that getting a good night's sleep. And, you know, another thing that's rising in importance that we're seeing is vitamin D levels. And be sure your doctor checks your vitamin D level. And if it's low, take a supplement. Dr. Dan Rudd, our guest this morning. Thank you so much for all that you do in the community. Thanks, Bart. Great Have to a great be here. Day. Stay with us. Truman's next right here on WGNS Murfreesboro.